Hey guys, this is Nadia, your host. I am here with Wayne Wright. Um, hi Wayne, thanks for joining me. Uh, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and where are you tuning from? They Asway. They Asway. Turns out that I'm actually in the studio. <laughs> yeah, but I'm Wayne and I'm originally from Liberia. Graduate and senior at Lane. Study social entrepreneurship. That sounds like a good introduction, isn't it? So, how do you know me then? How do I know you? Do I know you? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you go. You you have the same major as I as I have, mm-hmm. and I've seen you around a few times. Yeah, um, just a few times. Yeah, just a few times. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I call Wayne Mr. Strategist. Uh, for some reasons that I can explain later, but some people call him a hustler. I remember one time I was talking and asking Wayne about some internships and he was like, just keep searching, keep hustling. I still remember up to now that one night when we were sitting in a lobby and um, it was in the middle of the night and I was just so confused with my life I just didn't know what to do and I came to Wayne and he was like so wise sitting there he was like you know what you don't Uh, have anything to lose Hmm? I saw a few flatter right now that's my plan but he was like you don't have anything to lose and I wanted to ask you Wayne what does that mean for you to start something and not be afraid of that because you have a like a special view on that yeah that's interesting i I think for the most part there are two reasons why oftentimes we don't do the things we really want to do one i would say is fear and two is probably doubt and i guess both and both eventually lead to just the fear of maybe we're losing something or we're gonna fail uh, but the way I see it is that I don't think we ever fail or we ever lose because when you're about to start something at the moment, you don't have it. Um, whether you're launching a company, you're applying for a job, you know, you don't have that at the moment. Um, I know it takes a lot of effort to pursue things and sacrifices and hard work, but you really don't have it when you go to start to pursue it. And so eventually you go after it. It takes you time and, and your effort and, and energy and you don't get it. You know what the results you were hoping for. And we oftentimes see that, OK, we failed or we've lost something um, or the thought of that we that's going to happen eventually, you know, deter us, deters us from pursuing that which we really want to do or love doing. Um, but the way I see it is that, you know, if I don't have it, then I'm, I'm not losing anything. I'm rather gaining, right? So whether it's me being rejected at the very end, um, the fact that I actually muster the courage to, to pursue it, I think for me, that's massive gain. So yeah, that just, you know, gives me the courage to go after what I want. Courage, um, our Watson thing. Um, but about your, I think that's a really big part of your personality, like not being afraid or, or you just say that you're not afraid. <laughs> you never know. Well, maybe you are afraid. <laughs> you're not telling I mean, us. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's always both sides. I and mean, it's a very subjective term. Yeah. But, you know, for what I think um, I want to do, and I, I, I really believe deeply in my heart that I have the conviction for, I'm never afraid to do that. There are other things that I might be afraid, you know. Um, yeah. But like jumping off of a tall building without a parachute, I'm not sure I would do that. But... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay, back to why I call you Mr. Strategist. I don't know how you feel about that. I uh, actually didn't ask your permission if I can call you that. <laughs> I guess I should. Uh, um, I aspire to be so. <laughs> 
Uh, I really want to um, dive into your strategic um, point of view because you have tribe, you have adventure, and you are a co-founder, a CEO. You have so many labels. You're an RA as well. But I really think that Mr. Strategist for me means... Um, okay, one time I came into a, a room to study and to work and I saw this big, you know, sc like screen, how you call it, marker screen. And you were writing all of kinds of things like your strategy, you maps it out. You have this marketing strategy, you have this fundraising uh, like campaign and all of that on this big like white screen and I was like yo that's Mr. Strategist that's when I came up with the idea to call you that but really um, yeah I wanted to ask you about your your strategy for Tribe oh yeah uh, thanks for the uh, the compliment I mean, essentially Tribe is an education social enterprise and what we're trying to do is really trying to create alternative learning models um, or alternative education models that make learning meaningful, impactful, and productive uh, for young students. And, you know, initially we talk about not being afraid to, to go after our goals and our ambitions and, and the courage to to stand up for what we believe in truly. Growing up as young people, we always have, you know, we are fearless, I would say. We are very courageous, we are bold, and we get to eventually learn all of the other attributes of what makes us people who are afraid or people who have fears and we develop doubts because of our environment. But when young people are growing up, children, we have wild dreams, we have talents and skills that when we harness or we pursue can really unleash a lot of creativity and innovation that just create tremendous impact in the world we live in. But oftentimes people grow up in communities where these you know, talents and, 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 and skills and these attributes actually fade away because we start to learn what it means to fear, what it means to be afraid, what it means to fail, what it means to lose something as we initially stated. And we lose that childlike confidence and courage and, and just carefree ability to go out into the world and do amazing things. And so oftentimes we learn some of these things in the home, in the community, and more importantly, in the schools. Um, and the world we live in now, things are completely different. Before, I think people were learning because you have to learn and, you know, you know, we were competing on core academic competence or competencies, which oftentimes don't prove to be, you know, quite um, relevant to what the world we're living in right now. At this point in time, it's about really thriving through the changing times, right? What is the kind of skills we're learning, the abilities we have to thrive. And I think growing up, you know, or being adults, the kind of skills that really enable us to thrive in whatever these uncertainties are, are not the things that we do on the test or examinations. They're really the kind of skill set that we grew up with, we were born with, you know, the courage, to, the, the ability to have to be courageous, the ability to communicate what we want, how we feel, you know, whether you want to cry that you're hurt as a child or you want to just request for what you want because you're just bold and naive these kind of attitudes eventually go away. And that is something we want to reinstill into just the, the education system. And really diverting the idea of like, come to school and just take tests and pass examinations to really learn the kind of skill set that make you productive, that, that make you a person who is able to thrive in you know whatever the changing and, and, and uncertainties are of, of the current of the current world and that's sort of you know the the vision for tribe um, and we do this through several means from like programs to just you know researching and, and creating experiences mainly that can sort of build synergy and alignment among educators students and, and parents as well in the communities so Wayne just pitched this venture we are fundraising right now welcome to um, enter some peace <laughs> Wayne you just spoke for like maybe 
a minute and a half without like even thinking it's like I woke you up in the night and like asking about about tribe and you were so like it wasn't even you were thinking you had this in your mind and you were you could not stop talking about it um, but you know you what I heard you say is that yes um, we have a lot of problems around academics you don't want to measure success only by grades or numbers numbers don't define us and I heard that hey we want to focus on soft skills we want to provide kids with their with experiences that can give them the strength or the power or the courage to become the people they want to become. I hear that and it resonates with what we learn at Watson because Watson is a program for so social entrepreneurs and it's really a lot about soft skills. But um, do you really think that soft skills are the most important skills or would you say there is something else? I think it's not about what is important. Um, it's about what's relevant and what's effective in particular context. Oftentimes, I think we undervalue skills when we say soft skills and hard skills. You know, the, the connotation has, of course, its own impact on how we perceive these kind of skills. And what I think is these are human skills. These are skills that people should develop as human beings that make you a person who can thrive. Because eventually and that's why you know that at the premise of the work we do we think every student should learn how to be an entrepreneur and this is not because we think everybody should go out there and start a business but as an entrepreneur you are a survivor you're a hustler right you go out there you're bold you're courageous you're able to communicate your ideas you can negotiate you can think critically you're solving problems and these should not be skill set that are defined specifically towards a certain group of people because of certain attributes. These are things that should be, you know, sort of democratized that everybody can actually develop as young people because that's what helps us to live in a society, right? Um, it's about just an analogy I would like to make is in terms of just the the uh, the COVID pandemic, right? COVID came and all of a sudden everybody were mandated to wash your hands and you know practice, you know take healthy measures. But beyond the pandemic, I think these are practices that we should do as human beings. Is this enough to wash your hands when you leave you know the, the public spaces before you eat food, you know, to protect yourself? And so I don't think there should be a pandemic before we can actually take some of these healthy measures for our own lives. Mm -hmm. And it's the same way with how you know we learn skills. I don't think you know we. Should you have this divide of like there's soft skills and hard skills um which is more important it's more of what's relevant and what's contextual to to the particular you know circumstance that we face with all right um i do want to ask you about more of the workspace about what you're trying to create within your company for your employees basically for your team i would call them right team members and and basically, how are you creating that space for them to grow? And because you're a CEO after all, right? You're a co-founder and you're, you're leading your team. How does that feel like and what responsibility you feel and what you were trying to do with your team? I think for me, it's a, it's a privilege, I, I like to think, um, to be able to lead people who are incredibly brilliant and intensely passionate about the work we do and you know i just so much involved and and committed to creating impact in the communities and so i think it's a complete privilege and honor for me to lead this group of people it's even more privileged to be able to lead a mission that is 
you know, truly committed to just reimagining education for for some of the most important uh, group of female banks we have, young children and students in general. Um, in Africa, especially where we work, there are larger, you know, youth youth population compared to adults, and so these people, you know, obviously hold the future of what our world, what the continent, what our countries can be, or what they could be. Um, eventually and so it's such you know an honor to really be leading sort of a mission that is actually creating models that enable these people to prepare for for the future and i think for me my primary reason or my primary uh job as a ceo of of, of the company is really ensuring that my um, my responsibility number one is to just support every member on the team um to be able to be the best self to be able to work as you know as how the best way they can work and really just sort of direct the vision that we are working to to achieve eventually and what that means is you know uh being able to 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 work as hard as i can um and just really create an environment where people are just people are served individually because i think like education um work environment should be a very individualized process right and so if we are actually going out there and saying well we need to reimagine the way education is, is provided to students and the way students are learning then that needs to start from in-house and that means we have to reimagine the workspace that we have to suit people's you know individual individuality and and just to be adaptable to how they can work best whenever they can work best as well and i think that's my my primary responsibility so you're saying it's individual every works every employee basically works differently and are you saying you are trying to accommodate every team member on your board or or what do you mean by everyone having their individual approach to work? Yeah. I think, you know, so yeah, it's um and then you, you know when you have a small team, uh it's a different way you work with people. When the team gets larger, you have to also adapt and adjust to the work environment. Um, as of now, I, I I don't think I have a team. I I, I believe that we are a team. Um, nobody works for me. I don't work for anybody. We are all working for tribe, and we are working to address and achieve a particular mission area. And so, in that regards, we are team members with responsibilities. Um, we may have titles and roles, but for me, it's more than just titles and roles. It's more what's more important is just having responsibilities that we have to deliver on um, over time. And what creating an individual space or an individual workspace means for people, it's from many things, you know, from how people work, right? I like to work at night. I don't like to work during the day. I feel like there's a lot of distractions. I think better when I work at night. Do I think we should create a nine to five working schedule that mandates everybody to work that period? I don't think so. And in that regards, people should work whenever they feel like they want to work. What's more important is they should deliver. Um, do I feel like people should beg or, you know, take permission if they want time off or they want to just not work? You know, I don't think people should be sick before they decide not to work or must have or must explain to me their personal issues if somebody doesn't feel like they want to work there should be no reason that they shouldn't work except in cases where you know we have deliverables to meet and then that is a different situation do i believe in working monday to friday i don't think so i think people should work whenever they want to work weekends sundays and so in that regards people decide when they want to work and the most important thing is just deliver on on, on, the, on, the, on the workforce and yeah so there you know these things among among several others um some of the things that we put in place like nobody's a boss everybody is a team member and we are working for for you know for tribe and just making sure that we can work and just move one step further or one step upward every day towards the mission so uh yeah i heard you saying except for this situation when you expect certain deliveries deliverables but uh imagine your team members all of a sudden just 
decide to work only in the night mm -hmm. and uh, in the day they're not working at all. Um, I mean, it's possible for your company, I guess, because it does not require a certain time. But then there are companies that require to work in the day when the customers are basically available in the day. So this, this system or this approach is definitely not for every company, but it's very flexible. I see what you're, what you're saying in terms of, a co like, it is accommodating and it is a whole new level of trusting your employees as well, or your team members, just, it's a right. whole new trust level. Yeah, it's, you know, like you said, it's, it's about trust and it's about, it's about care um, for the team. Um, I think for me, the way I see it is that number one, my employees, and like I said, I don't have employees, but we all are team members. Um, and I think our team, or we are all employees. So as employees, we come first before customers, right? Um, I know it's, it's sort of counterintuitive to think in the traditional business world because oftentimes people see customers come first. But I think as employees or as a team, we come first because if we're not our best selves, if we don't have the support we need, um, if we're not working, you know, to the best of our, our conditions and optimizing our time and energies, then we, if we're not careful, we don't have the support we need, we can deliver to please or satisfy our customers. So I think that in that regards, we come first. And so I want to be able to build a work system that actually supports individuals um, to be themselves, their best selves and produce the best work. And then based on that, we're able to deliver and meet their expectations and, and satisfaction of our, our customers. The second thing is, I don't think everybody's going to work at night. I think people are different completely. I work, you work, there's a lot of diversity on our team um, and then like every other team, right? And so people might want to like, might like to work at night, others might like to work at day. You know, others might want to work a specific time of day, I think, but just creating a, a system wherein people can just do as they want, you know, um, it's for me the best approach to, to just delivering on, on our mission. After you saying this, I would say I want to work for you. <laughs> not, not, no, 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 not for you with you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to correct myself. <laughs> All right, so I actually want to ask you some personal questions about your life, your childhood, and most importantly, your community, which I always wanted mm. to ask you. Um, what you saw, what you experienced as a child, what your school, basically yourself, how you see yourself in the past. Who is Little Wayne? Hello, Wayne. Uh, yeah, that sounds like the rapper, uh, <laughs> which I wish I had been, by the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, Lil Wayne was a very stubborn person. Uh, I didn't quite listen to people a lot. I always wanted to do my own thing. Um, I grew up really wanting to be as independent as possible, as fast as I could. And those were reasons or factors that really inform how stubborn I became and just wanted to be independent and working harder as I, as I grew up every day um, to pursue things. Um, yeah, but it sort of, you know, that was my, I guess, my, 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 my characteristics when I was growing up. At the time, though, it seemed as a pretty uh, countercultural practice because we know that kids grew up to be respectful, quote unquote, to be obedient and listen to older people um, and all of that and it was quite you know a different approach and not that I was you know rude or I might have been a little bad as a kid um, but not entirely um, but I think eventually growing up these qualities are definitely serving me now in the work we do because we are addressing some really serious issues in the world some critical we call them wicked problems and so these sort of the world we, we, we live in is very desperate, is very is very evil, it's very it's very difficult. 
And so we do need these kind of qualities to be very stubborn that whenever you feel or you lose or you, you, you know, um, as we as you say it, and whenever you, you don't get things working quite well, you need the qualities that make you to, to bounce back. Um, nowadays, I think we call it resilience and we call it having great. But I think being a stubborn kid from a young age uh, have really helped me to just be a um, very resilient person now in the, in the real world. How stubborn were you? Um, hmm. And like, do you have any, I mean, I had a question about your community, right? So what did you see around? Hmm. Who are your neighbors or basically how you grew up, you know? I grew up on this faraway island with no human beings. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my community. So I, uh, how, do I, how do I describe this? So I actually was born in the capital city. Um, and uh, which is, you know, has its own advantages and disadvantages. Um, but I grew up in a, a sort of underprivileged environment um, where for what we knew was, you know, poverty a lot of times. And I grew up seeing people who were incredibly brilliant and talented and quite knowledgeable um, with big dreams, but eventually couldn't realize these dreams because of lack of opportunities. I saw kids growing up, my friends, my peers who were incredibly brilliant and talented as well, but couldn't really realize the full potential because of all the construct of the environment we grew up in and just the cultural practices that tend to uh, suppress, you know, people and their ambitions. And I grew up seeing people who just, you know, had to fit in because of the parents, you know, wanting them to do what they wanted them to do or the community they grew up in limiting how much they could dream and how much they could go out and pursue. And I thought that was, you know, quite uh, unfortunate. And as I grew older and I got exposed to different communities and got to see and learn about different things, I realized that there was, you know, there were way too many things to, to the world and to life than just being stuck in a space where you were limited by, you know, the confines of the lack of opportunities and just the difficulties of, of, of these environments. And I always wanted to be different. Um, I always wanted to be able to, to, to break boundaries and to be able to make statements. And that's, for me, it's a personal life mission. Um, primarily, I just want to be able to, to bridge, you know, that gap between opportunities and privilege because I think I grew up, you know, quite underprivileged um, and I had access to opportunities eventually. And my life mission is being able to create many more of these kind of opportunities that can actually enable other young people to, to earn privilege as I have earned uh, in, in my own life. So that's sort of the transition from, from growing up and now seeing people. I think uh, people should have the kind of opportunities or the, the support they need to nurture their, their talents and their skills and their, and their, and their gifts. Because uh, only when we can do these things can we really see a lot of, you know, um, greatness in, in the world that we, we live in. Yeah, and but uh, overall, the world loses a lot by just not having these people to, to pursue their ambitions and their goals and their talents. So, and now you have tribe, you have, um, basically your, your mission is to provide more opportunities and to bridge that gap of lack of opportunities. And um, tribe is in person, right? So basically students come in person, but obviously because of COVID you have some virtual events, but um, is it only one office? You have basically, you have a place for students to come in, to have a building, you have teachers that come in, right? You have a lot of people are involved. So are you only in one city? Are you planning to expand? Like it's only in Liberia right now, right? Yeah, for now we are, we are only in, in Liberia. Um, I mean, the model has evolved quite a bit in the last few months. Um, 
yeah so eventually you know initially we will bring in students for our programming but the pandemic happened and now things are shifting we are still of course maintaining that in-person engagements because i personally believe that we in-person engagement is just you can't replace that right the interaction the engagement the collaboration is something that is um it's quintessential to how people can learn and really really thrive and and, and grow and develop and succeed eventually so that's a piece we, we we're keeping at the same time, we also are working to ensure that how do we scale the the model that we we built over the past year. Um, so that is by working directly with schools to ensure that we are replicating these models. Because Trap is not a school; it's a, it's a more of an organization mm-hmm. that is supporting students and 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 schools and employers to one nurture students with the kind of skills they need to develop and grow, and then to support schools to be able to teach effectively, and then support organizations to be able to you know function efficiently by recruiting the best talent or supporting the already existing talent that they have in these uh, institutions um just a quick clarification so you you say uh you're saying that you collaborate with schools do you mean that you your team comes into a school and like like engages and get gets involved with students in school or is it that students come in to your build like whatever your building is and get involved there it's both ways Mm. i also know that you had a big research project um recently that you had award at lynn you um a really big milestone for you i wanted to ask you so that research was primarily based on education as education is something you're passionate about and as far as I know, that's it's connected to tribe, right? Yeah. You not only are developing a venture, but you also have this research. And can you explain how that goes together and how it helps you? And yeah, um, education is uh, it's a addressing education challenges. Uh, it's a complex problem, and learning and education, as we know it, really. Uh, you know, are adaptable, you know, they should be engaging, uh, they should be individualized or personalized. And so you can't, and I, I know there, there are two ways we tend to solve social issues as people. One is we live through an experience um, and then boom, we have, you know, this uh, epiphany and we go out there to to, to address the challenge. Um, because you know, oftentimes these challenges, you know, create quite an apprehension for how we see we see the world and, and what we can do in our own um, limitations. And the second thing is we we you know we go out there to learn and we develop or build the skills and and, and the acumen that enable us to go out there and address the problem. Um, for me, I'm taking the our combined approach to one I've lived through the challenge, and two is I want to be able to know and understand what I'm solving. And so it's not just about building a company that creates product to solve or attempt to solve these problems. It's more really understanding from the personal side of things to the economic and social and political um, and academic side of of the problem that we're solving. Because I believe that only with that we have an advantage to really go out there and create the kind of solutions that are, you know, constantly evolving, that are quite impactful, they're sustainable, and they're relevant to the group of people that uh, we are working with, but also they're in context to their specific needs. So in that regards, we combine our work with not just creating programs or creating solutions, but really, you know, forming the foundation of our work on 
you know, critical research, primary research for that matter, um, and using a lot of data to inform the kind of so solutions and programs that we create. Um, and also constantly evaluating our approach and ensuring that we are constantly learning. So I, I like to think that uh, Tribe is, is really a learning institution for, for that matter, that is solving a learning crisis. Um, when you're saying um, you collect data, you evaluate your data, uh, what data was your research based on and how are you collecting it? With this research, what we wanted to understand was the impact of high school education on uh, preparing high school students for the workforce. And we wanted to understand, you know, from school's perspective, what were they teaching? Um, what were students learning? How were they teaching these students? Were they following up on ensuring that, you know, what the students were learning were relevant to, to the workforce or to the 21st century or to enable them to go to college? On the side of the students, we wanted to understand, you know, what skills were they learning? Do they believe that they were, the skills they were learning, they were confident enough to, to go and pursue jobs or transition to college? We also, you know, we wanted to, we also interviewed employers to ask them, what skills are you hiring for? How do you recruit people? You know, what are the challenges with recruiting talents? Um, and what, you know, do you think schools should be doing able to prepare these talents for, for the workforce? We interview school administrators to understand the challenges they face. We also interview young people who were neither in high school but were in the workforce, both employed and unemployed, to ask them, one, what do you think helped your employment? Was it your high school education? Are there other skills, other other qualities that you develop along the way? How did you navigate this? And then those who are unemployed, just ask them, you know, why do you think you're unemployed? Is it because of lack of skills or the qualities? How do you rate or value your high school education and so forth? So combining all of these different data sets um, into we build, you know, a um, database that really informed to say, well, our conclusion is that, you know, the high school education is really ineffective. It's not preparing people for, for you know, for the universities or for, for employment. And this is not, you know, a blame game of any one person. It's more of people are really trying, but the approach needs to be improved. And that is where Tribe comes in. It's not ready to, to disrupt. I mean, we want to be disruptive, but not to disrupt, to attempt to replace what's being available at the moment, like schools, but ready to see how do we support existing structures, right? To improve the way they're teaching and the way people are employing and the way we are building entrepreneurial ecosystem to absorb young people uh, now and in the future. So that's sort of the uh, the background of, of, of the research, but also that is the, the premise for the work that we do and approach we have uh, adopted. And from the map to system, um, you are also familiar with the fact that you have to really, I mean, you're evaluating the problem to its core and you're digging right to the system of it. So you're mapping out the system of the problem. And so right. you also have to understand your target audience or whatever it's called. But for you, it's really students or high school students or just kids who are learning. What do you know about your target audience? I don't want to call it that, but what do you know about the kids that are involved with tribe or are like potential kids that are involved with tribe? A lot, a lot, a lot. So, you know, these kids are brilliant. Um, they want to learn and they have so much talent. They're quite ambitious, they're curious, they're young students. And that's the first thing I recognize in these students when we work with them. The second thing is they really want opportunities, opportunities to grow, to develop, to learn more, to be better, to create impact. I think they all have, an, they, they naturally gravitate towards, you know, doing good and doing well in their communities. But there is a huge gap with where they are at the moment and where they want to be at, right? Lack of opportunities, lack of resources, lack of uh, 
either lack or limited uh, structure in place to really support these their transitions and their growth. Um, so that's you know a few of the things that you know we've seen in, in these young students and but they are also at the same time quite limited by the traditional system of how they should be you know go to school and be this way don't pursue a certain interest because it's unproductive be a certain way you know have a certain career because that's what makes you whoever you want to be at and the the problem is that people are built different you know people people have different talents different interests and different different you know um, things they want to do as, as people and I think our goal as educators is really not to say we are putting people in a box to confine them but really we are creating options so that people whatever they decided to do can do that to the best of their abilities and be the best selves and create the best and most impact that they can create as young students and that is where uh, we come in uh, as, as an institution to really see how we are supporting these existing structures to say look let's reimagine and, and remodel the way we're teaching these students we're having them learn and we're supporting them to go and uh, just create impact in the world and just do amazing things i also remember one thing you, you spoke about during one of our master courses um, so I remember you said, hey, there's this new approach to educating. Uh, we allow students to lead sessions or to lead certain classes. So we're, we're giving them the power to teach their peers and become like basically more empowered. That's a certain way to empower your students. Can you elaborate on that? If you, do you remember even that? Well, yeah, it's not about giving them the power or empowering them um, they have their own power I think the goal is to 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 not take away their power right um, by making them believe that we are giving them power and the goal is really to to make them understand that they have the power and they have the abilities and they have the drive in them to go after whatever they want to do and for an example you know there was a, one of the, the programs we ran in the past few months um, we brought these students together and we we're teaching entrepreneurship and we realized that there were quite you know stiffness in how they were responding to the programs and the in the different discussions and that's because you know everybody came in with the mindset that oh i don't want to fail or i want to pass right um and so they were quite you know nervous about just how to go about whether they were going to fail or not and when we realized that we had to bring them in and say look you know we of course are evaluating the work you do here but primarily, we don't care about how much, you know, the scores that you make, whether you, nobody's going to fail, nobody's going to pass. It's not about failing or passing. It's more about people really learning the skills that we're teaching and actually being able to translate these skills into something productive for themselves, you know, how to stay organized, how to go after just uh, identifying problems in your communities or your school and, and finding solutions to them. But also to learn how to learn is, is the most important. And when we had that conversation, we realized that the engagement, the improvement uh, increased quite a bit significantly, you know, by you know, 30 to 40 percent after that conversation. And so the point is really being able to tell people that, look, let's look on the other side. It's not taking away from what they have, what they know It's by just providing them an alternative and let them choose for themselves. And by doing that, that's how people, you know, own up to their own local power and then feel empowered by themselves. And I think that's uh, an approach that, that we should really adopt, especially when we work with uh, students or vulnerable groups, people who are underprivileged, or just generally, you know, people who really need the support and opportunities that they want you to, to be better. Can we talk a little bit about budgeting, about looking for partners or like the external part of it, we talked a little bit about the core 
problem of it and your students and your system but I really wanted to ask you about how are you looking for partners your sponsors and how you're pitching those ideas I, ha I know you have a lot of meetings all the, all the time with all of them with those people how do you feel about it and what are you trying to get out of those partners or sponsors I think the goal for me is not to get something out of people is uh, is to give them something and what it is means showing them that there is a problem that you know is important to address and you need to be a part of it is really building a movement that people can be a part of right something that is worthy something that's meaningful something that's impactful something that's fulfilling and that's the goal for me and oftentimes uh growing up and even now the way i see how we do you know building partnerships or forming relationships is mostly transactional right i give you you give me and that's it business and even though I, there is always you know a transaction that happens even in genuine relationship right even you know intimate relationships or just like chatting and, and parents relationship there's some sort of transaction happening but that shouldn't be the basis for why you want to build a relationship and that's how that's the principle that upon which we build our, our partnerships really that we are building a relationship not you know a transactional um, practice and on that basis we have a shared value we have a common understanding of whatever what goal we want to achieve together uh, we both are passionate and committed to the problem we want to solve it because it's either personal or it's you know it's a problem that just isn't right and needs to be addressed and that's the premise of what we, we're doing and i think for me the goal is of course we want to raise money uh seek investments to, to grow our, our venture and, and create more impact we need the resources to to support our work but primarily for me if somebody can just understand the problem we are solving from that context of where we are solving it for me that's a massive win right if i talk to an investor oftentimes we get rejected and matter of fact almost all the time and even if we don't get the investment we're seeking if one person in that meeting can say i empathize or i understand the problem you're solving and i see that it's important you know this is meaningful for me that's that that, that makes me happy because i know that we've we've we've, we've mobilized or we evangelized um an additional person who sees this as a major problem and actually has the conviction that this needs to be solved and if they have the power to do so they will eventually help to to support and that's just how i i approach my partnerships i hear you i also want to argue that yes um what do you do without money? How can you survive without money? How can you plan something bigger or you know plan long-term things without investment, without, without all that? Of course, it's so cool to have those partners support you met like w verbally, right? That's that's awesome. But then how about real like real support in terms of finances that is so essential in any venture? What's the argument? That's what I argue. That's not. So the argument, the argument is that the goal of building partnerships should be to get support or money or resources, and not just building relationships. Yes and no. I want you to basically respond to that, however you want, because you didn't. You spoke about verbally supporting. Yes, you spoke about how you want partners to be on your side and understand. I mean, understand the problem, but you didn't really <coughs> speak about the need. In, in money itself still, it, which is very important. We are always going to need money. Bill Gates still works, Elon Musk still works, Jeff Bezos still works, they're still making money. We are always going to need money. And because of that, 
it's always going to be a pressing issue but we shouldn't lose our humanity because we need money right and that is something that we have to reinstill into how we work together how we collaborate how we, we work you know you know people have money and they want to give a grant that's why so in the first place people become philanthropists or funders or investors because they want to give money out and invest primarily that's the reason so we don't always have to remind people that this is what you want to do or this is what you are doing right the side that we don't see oftentimes is these are human beings they're people they need relationships they need to be asked how are you they need to be asked you know how is your, how is your kid doing today did you leave your house today feeling good right and they just don't leave money every i don't know if there's a as a principle or a theory that says the moment you're wealthy or you have money to give out that means you're always good i don't think so and so that's where humanity has to really be valued in these instances the second thing is i did not grow up fully entitled to anything right and so i don't go expecting or being like okay i need this i deserve this giving money we do need money but that's not the primary focus and i think oftentimes you know expectation is also an important factor to realize when you do the kind of work we do because if you think well i'm going i'm expecting that they're going to give us money then no it's not always going to be that way but in the absence of the lack of transaction as i mentioned before what stays is a genuine relationship that is between people who understand and who have value and respect for each other and who respect or who you know uphold the dignity of each other regardless of whether there's money involved or whether there's resources involved because if we strip away everything else that we have we are all just human beings and that is something i think we should respect and value the third thing is not everybody's going to give you money or going to give you support as you expect or you want it people can only give as much as they want to or as much as they can give and so that is why the work as i said this is a work but it's more of a mission right it's a mission that says education needs to be reimagined right young students should be supported to have options to nurture their talents to grow and develop to be the best versions that they can be that they want to be because they are not limited by you know lack of opportunities people shouldn't feel because they don't have resources they don't have opportunities people should feel because they decide that i just want to be a failure that's okay you know it's okay it's perfectly fine but not because i really wanted to do this but i couldn't do it because i didn't have access or resources and that is the work we're doing and because this is so important and so critical to the majority of young people in my country liberia across the african continent in the world over it requires more than just having money to dish out to solve these problems if it were so by now i don't think we would have had war probably considering the billions and trillions of dollars that we've invested in aid and, and donations to several of these social causes that even multiply after we give out all this money but because we give out money all the time without valuing common humanity that is why we still have many of these issues that can be solved without money but just a simple act of kindness and support to one another and so that's why i tried regardless of whether or not we have money from people we value the relationships that they bring their insights are valuable their support is valuable the thoughtfulness that people show to the work we do is also valuable to us all right thank you wayne for joining me <laughs> really it's a pleasure it's been time. a pleasure talking to you nadia any final note for anyone or for yourself what do you wish for or what do i wish <laughs> Man, that's a tough question. Mm, I got you thinking. Now I got you thinking. <laughs> This whole time it felt like you were prepared for all the questions. <laughs> Now I got you thinking. Hmm. I think it's not the lack of thoughts. It's more of the many thoughts and so it's difficult to choose from. And that's why I don't usually have favorite where you know for anything because it's just hard to pick. The things are just the many great things, you know. 
but if I had one wish, you know, today, uh, it would be just that we just need to be kind to, to one another. Um, I think that should be the premise of our humanity. Um, and we just need to love people because, yes, we're always going to need money. We're always going to need resources. Matter of fact, that's how it's always been in the world. What has been lacking, right? And we've always needed, even more importantly, just being able to value people for who they are, to preserve the dignity of people, to be kind and loving and supportive to just one another. And I think if we can have more of these in the world, um, and I'm not quite sure how soon that's going to be, maybe not now, maybe never, but I think if we can constantly pursue these qualities as human beings, we can definitely be able to solve many of the challenges that we spend billions of dollars you know, doing, and we spend all our lives and effort and sacrifices trying to solve, when these, some of these can just be solved by a simple act of kindness, right? You know, it's like if you don't go in and just cause, you know, unnecessary war in a particular territory, there wouldn't be need for billions of dollars for humanitarian efforts that would go after the crisis that you've created. So just a simple act of kindness and just love and dignity for people as human beings will, I believe, solve most of these wars problem or prevent them, if not solve them. When you wish for kindness, I wish you kindness too. Thank you. We all, I hope.